you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and I have a very special guest here with me today. We're going to have a spontaneous, fun, and kind of free-flowing conversation about a lot of things. So I hope that you're in the mood for some energy and a lot of enthusiasm here today. Joining me from the Denver area is Gail Hamilton. Now, Gail is an internationally recognized motivational virtual and live speaker and the accomplished author of Soaring to, into Greatness, A Blind Woman's Vision to Live Her Dreams and Fly. Now, she's also a powerful singer who has landed two leading roles in opera productions, and she is totally blind. Now, Gail has also been crowned Miss Colorado Senior America. And one of the things that I love about her is a motto of hers that she believes that if you change the way you see, you will change the way you live. If you change the way you see, you will change the way you live. Lots of accomplishments and a lot of fun. Gail, welcome to Decide to Transform. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. This is great. Yeah, I'm excited too. And there's so much here. I often, when I get started with a show, I have an idea of where I want to go. And this time there's so much that we could start with. So let me start with a, a question here about the singing and the opera productions. So let's go through some of this. You are an accomplished singer, and I don't know whether we'll hear any of that today. Probably not. But All yeah. right. Yeah, probably not. You can well, go on YouTube and find me. All right. All right. Yep. We can definitely do that. All right. So then, Gail, you've been a leading role in two major opera productions and, and you've been singing for a long time now. Was this something that you picked up when you were a child? Picked up music, well, piano when I was in fourth grade and then voice started, well, I've always sang, but it really started when I was trying to get out of piano lessons. And <laughs> it was like, please let me out of piano lessons. And they said, okay, you can take voice, but you still had to take piano, which was good because I taught piano for 40 years. And so that was kind of my bread and butter. But <laughs> voice, ever since I took my first official voice lesson when I was a junior in high school, then I was hooked to singing was going to be my my thing, my passion, my career. So I thought, yeah, so I, I've always, always loved to sing. Okay. Well, I, I love this, that it was a way for you to get out of piano lessons, because I know kids <laughs> yeah. try. Now, how yeah. old were you when you were doing the piano lessons? I started in fourth grade, right. and then I took them all the way through college. So okay. I have like, I don't know, whatever that is, 10, 15 years worth of piano. 
Mm -hmm. All right. Well, and then now, because you are totally blind, did uh, did this begin when you were a child, or did you uh, have some sight when you were younger, or has that never been never been a thing? Ah, oh, never been a thing. I like that. Oh, uh, it was a thing. <laughs> I had a uh, thing. I had a thing. Yeah. Um, but not a total thing. So. <laughs> All right. I love it. So I was born two and a half months premature and I have a twin brother and we were put into separate incubators. I weighed two pounds. He weighed two and a half Mm. and the incubator back then they didn't know what they were doing. So they put, you know, what is it? If a little's good, then a lot must be really good. So they put a hundred percent pure oxygen in my incubator probably his too, but I was in there longer than he was. So in the incubator for six weeks, 100% pure, yeah, 24 seven. Now they don't do that, but Mm -hmm. because 90% of the people that are blind now, um, that are my age that are blind, are blind due to the fact that they put 100% pure oxygen oxygen, into the computer, computer. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's an incubator, or right. a computer for, for twenty four seven. So they don't do that nowadays. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I had partial sight. I could read large print. I could ride a bike. I could watch TV if it was really close. Uh, I could draw. So I could get around. And then when I was eleven, I got cataracts, mm. which then took away that little sight I had. Took that away. Okay. So now I'm totally blind. So okay. the operas, the music, everything I've done has been with total blindness. All right. Yeah. Well, and this is something that um, is very interesting for those of us who are, are, are sighted because we don't often know what it's like. Mm-hmm. We, we really literally take it for granted most of the time, right. quite honestly. And uh, it's... Uh, and since you've you've had this as the norm in your life since you were 11, was it very difficult to adjust to that at, at that age or had you been used to it enough? No, at the time, I didn't know what was going on. And my parents mm-hmm. weren't the kind of parents that would talk about anything. So they shoved it underneath the rug. And so... At the time, I I remember sort of seeing, um, I remember riding a bike, well, one example, I rode a bike and uh, I was riding along and all of a sudden I fell over this embankment thing and landed in a ditch and I went, and I must've known something was going on, but I, because all of a sudden I started falling into trash cans and running into walls and Mm, running my bike off the sidewalk and I'm going, Like, what's up with this? But I didn't know what, what was up with this. And so, um, but I must not have a clue. Because I remember walking home with the bike and going, never going to do that again. You know, like, okay, because that hurt too bad. <laughs> Crashed a bird like that. So I, I, I didn't. Um, and so when, when I was, began school that fall, that was over the summer, I thought, well, because this is going to sound weird. To everybody I think of, it probably sounds weird. Um, in my head, I still could see. And and they have done 
studies where the, your imagination and your visualization center of the brain is the same place as your external vision center, which is right above your spinal stem in the back of your head. Okay. Uh, so, so in my head, I saw. It wasn't until I ran into the wall that I went, God, <laughs> mm. what's going on here? So uh, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I took a piece of paper and I, over the lunch hour, I went to a school for the blind and had raised lines on it. And I wrote my name on it. And I thought if I could draw a line from the last part of L and Gail all the way down to the bottom of the page, I'll know that's ugly and I know I can see. But mm -hmm. if I can't see that line going down to the bottom, then I'll know I'm blind. Okay. And I couldn't see it. And that was my proof. Mm -hmm. And I was devastated, but I couldn't talk yeah. to anybody because my parents were totally denying it. So it well, wasn't until like three years later, and I had one of those teenage blow ups that I went, and you don't even care. I can't see what's up with you. Ah! Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then they took me to an eye doctor and went, oh, she had cataracts. And if you could have come three years ago, maybe we could have done something for her. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, so that is, um, that's very interesting that it took three years. Well, my parents, oh yeah, yeah. they probably still would have done. And then they'd say things like later on, why do you tell people you're blind? You know you couldn't. No, why do you tell people you could see? You know you couldn't. It's mm. like, really? I remember writing. I remember reading large print. I remember pictures on the wall of a little boy and girl in, in profiles, and they had blue jammies on. They're praying, and they had blonde hair. And <laughs> I remember that. I had pink wallpaper, plaid, with white dogs on it. And they had blue shoes with black shoestrings. And I linked all those little shoestrings together with my crayons. So don't tell me I didn't see. Ah, yes. Well, yeah, a very interesting yeah. dynamic. And, and, and you referenced one of those teenage blowups that, that teenagers right. have for all kinds of reasons, right. <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah. Well, then now, was it easier for them? I mean, after that finally happened, then did uh, did your relationship begin to improve with them after oh, this? Oh, no, it was always bad. Oh, okay. Always bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All oh, right. No. Yeah. They didn't want to shelter me. Oh, no. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, and how old were you then? Were you, were you 14 when they, uh, when they accepted the way things were? Yeah, I guess if you add three on to 11, I guess that would equal mm -hmm. that. <laughs> 14, 15, yeah. Okay, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, all right. And, and then you went through high school and then you you became an adult. And, you know, I guess this is something that uh, I was going to ask later in the show, but I am curious right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, what yeah. what do you wish people that have sights would know about your experience? About my experience being blind? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I would say my experience of what you think about blind people would be that we have higher expectations or to have high expectations on us than what you think you would have. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like we can do anything you can do. 
I can do better. <laughs> you know, this is like, um, yeah, usually I think the downfall is that people don't think we can do whatever that it is. Like uh, I've had people say, you know, how can you tie your shoes? How do you know where your shoes are? How do you get out of a fire? I don't know. How do you get out of a fire? That's what I want to know. Um, I mean, does anybody know that until that happens? No, we don't. We don't know. I mean, hopefully I'll run away from the heat or, uh, you know, something like that. But I, I don't know how I'd get out. Hopefully, you know, I would just do that. Um, what else do people ask? You know, how do you have a job? Well, and I've had lots of discriminations, too, because sure. of people don't think I can do whatever the, it is. Had a national contest once where the lady, and I was the, the number seventh singer, singer in the country, and a lady wrote at the top of my critique sheet, how do you expect to have a career in singing when you're blind? Really? So, so I was disqualified, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I had a doctorate degree. They said, oh, you can't be have a doctorate in music. It's too hard for us to teach you with that program because it was like why should i go where people are so close-minded yeah. and then I, I had a got a, a master's in psychology and counseling besides the music and they too said well you can't be a psychotherapist you're blind it's like really mm. really just by that time i was like just watch me you know you don't have yeah. to have eyes to be a psychotherapist you don't have to have eyes to sing you don't have to have eyes to do practically anything Except I don't know about that Tesla now. You know, the they've had a couple crack-ups lately. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. But uh, I can't use my Tesla re reference anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a, a, yeah, that's very, very interesting because we're talking educated people whom we would think would know better than Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. still got this. Absolutely. My dad. Here's my dad. One time I, I live in this condo and I had... 16 concrete steps that went up to the front door and he comes in and goes so do you uh get down these steps by yourself every day i mean he was a civil engineer he was he didn't treat me that way when i was a kid i don't know what got into his head it's like this is my father saying this i go no dad i wait for prince charming to come every day and mm. and he comes and gets me and carries me down these stairs like really how do, how do i get down the flight of stairs i've had Educators say that to me. I going into schools to um, do a little sing along with kids, and the teachers will say, "Well, can you go down these stairs by yourself?" No, I came up them. I guess I can't go down them. I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you carry me? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, here, you pick uh, up me and the dog. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, and the dog. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is uh, you know, it's just so interesting i mean we're, we're laughing about it but i mean it's got to be very rampant and, and you know why totally do you rampant. suppose yeah why yeah. do you suppose that all of these people including the otherwise educated people that we talked about want to place so many limits on blind people you know i some of it probably is because we're such a visual society mm. you know and yeah. and Oh, they, they project their fear onto me about how it must be. Oh, you must be in the dark. Yeah. Oh, you must not be able to do anything. And then, or if they've had some experience, it'd be like, oh, like you've been blindfolded in some class or as an experiment kind of thing. And it's so scary. Oh my God. And it is scary if all of a sudden you go blind and, and you don't know what to do it or blah, blah, blah. But 
I didn't think I'm used to it by 68 years old. You know, it's, it's not like it happened this morning. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. you know, I have canes, I have dogs, I have talking computers, I have, you know, I'm adjusted, you know, it's, um, so it, it's my norm. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I think they just put their limitations on it because it must be scary. They wouldn't know how they would do, they wouldn't know how they would get along. They don't think that they can do anything about your eyes. In fact, you can do everything without them. Except maybe to Tesla. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that if somebody had said, well, I don't see how you're going to drive a bus for a living, then maybe, maybe then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've heard of a blind um, architect a couple of months oh. ago on 60, okay. 60 Minutes, I think. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. It's like, cool. you wouldn't think a blind person would be drawing. I don't know how he does it but he found a way, mm -hmm. you know, I think maybe somebody else puts the lines on the drawings for it. I don't know. And then maybe he, I don't know what, I don't know. Interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. And it, I, I think that that's just it too. It's, it's people's projected fear. Uh, I think that a lot of people might not be able to, they would freak out if sure. they woke they up one day. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they would. And so you've overcome and worked your way through one of these after another. Now, have you had any of these egregious, you can't do this because you're blind? Besides the ones I mentioned. Projections, those, yeah. Yeah, those were pretty good. You know, I had, besides, I mean, I've had the three schools. I mean, the three, the lady that I told about in the contest that said they can't sing. Mm -hmm. I had uh, the doctorate one and then the, the master's one. So those, those are three big time people that should have known better. Uh, and I didn't know to fight. And so I didn't stand up for myself. Besides that, I've had, this is like 40 years ago, uh, some discriminations, I can't talk okay. today. Mm -hmm. um, like mainly one in Santa Fe, I hmm. went down, hopefully Santa Fe, you know, you're better now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when I went down there, they, the, like the first day I had to see an eye dog and it was all with the dog. They said, um, oh, you can't come in a grocery store with the dog. So yes, I can, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. The next day it was uh, some Native Americans that had all their jewelry on the sidewalk and they wanted the dog. They, they were, the dog was doing fine, but they thought the dog was gonna walk on their precious little jewelry, but just that the dog did the dog's thing, the dog would be good. The next day, we were in a, a, a quilting shop and she didn't want those little dog hairs on her quilts. So, oh my goodness, as if they'd get on there. But, you know, we were just hmm. looking around. But then the last day we went into a restaurant and we were getting some donuts and uh, the lady said, oh, hurry up and wait on them because uh, we, gotta, we gotta get her out of here quickly with the dog. And I went out and I said to my friend, oh, you know, I was in tears because it was like the fourth one and in four days, you know, this is like, this is just really people, really. Mm. And so she said, what are you going to do about it? And I went, oh, all right. yeah. And I thought that was great. And I went, mm. oh, I don't know. I don't have your choice. Well, of course, you always have a choice, but I didn't know that then. <laughs> sure. And so yeah. we walked back in and we ate a full fledged breakfast, sat there for an hour with the dog in the middle of the kind of the aisle, just on purpose. Mm, oh, nice. Like, right. take that, you know. So, and I've had some cab ones uh, not take me because of the, usually those are all because of the dog. 
Okay. They don't want to let the dog in. Hmm. All right. Yeah. It, well, it's very interesting that you had that cluster of experiences in Santa Fe. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, that's uh, that's very interesting, and you know, so you get some some pushback from people that don't want the dog to get something dirty or or hairy, or maybe they just don't like dogs. And you've alluded to a real personal journey here, as we've been talking about knowing now, uh, what you did not know then is that you could fight back or that you could say something. So would you tell us more about that? What was missing when you were younger in that department? Huh, what was missing? Missing was, well, my parents abused me physically and emotionally. Mm, okay. And so they, they usually coddled when they should have empowered and then they would ignore or isolate when they should have loved. Okay. And so, you know, so the nurture, guidance, and empowerment piece was definitely missing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and when you're abused, you don't know how to stand up for yourself because you think, I thought anyway, that I'm going to get hurt worse. So I'm not ever going to stand up for myself. And, and of course, being a victim is kind of natural. And sure. so I didn't know any other way of being than, oh, poor Gail. Okay. You know, oh, so sad Gail. Oh, Gail wanted to be invisible Gail. And so to, to come out of the psychological, you know, people think that, well, for me, my blindness really wasn't my worst thing in a way in my life, even though blindness affects everything in my life, 100% everything. Sure. Oh, um, yeah. Everything. And yeah. yet, what was the hardest for me to climb out of was the psychological to understand through lots of psychotherapy and determination that I do have a voice, I do have power, I do have choice, I do have value, I am worthwhile and capable and can be just as good as my belief was when I was younger that I was less than any sighted person. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to climb out of that one, I still have once, you know, and some of those come back because you don't ever get rid of them totally. But I, mm -hmm. every once in a while, we go, oh, I let this sighted person have the power again. Oh, I'm being a victim again. Oh, I get it. My ego is trying to run my life. Okay. <laughs> so then I just have to kind of talk to myself and work myself around that. But it's, it's that, yeah, I do have all that. So the, what was missing was all their treating me like they, well, I can't say they treated my brothers and sisters any better, but I don't think they abused them. And my brothers and sisters think my parents were God and goddess. They oh, just, they don't think anything was wrong with them, even though mm -hmm. they drank and alcohol and abused. They, they just don't say anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one that maybe got it because I was blind, but I'm also the only one, well, I'm the only one that internalized it all, but I'm also the only one that had more internal perspective as the years went on and could see what yeah. was happening to me or saw what happened to me as a young i don't think the rest of them to this day have any depth to their 
psychological makeup. Okay. Well, and I There's think- There's a that, long answer. Yeah, I, I love it. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that that really- typifies the way it often is in, in a family dynamic, especially with multiple siblings, where uh, just because you're blood related doesn't mean that you see, one person couldn't see anything at all. And right. the other person does. And yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a common dynamic. I know there are people out there listening right now that can relate to exactly that. And some people think their parents are just absolutely divine and others don't right. yeah <laughs> so. yeah and i think it's interesting that the blind chick <laughs> is the one that has the more vision so to say so, yeah. yeah yeah exactly and yeah. I, I really love that as you were describing this that you used the word vision and you used the verb to see and they who are, are sighted were unable to see right see things as they really are in right. fact right yeah and yes. they and they missed me because of their blindness yeah yeah mm -hmm. they really did now yeah. are are you close I have now that now that you all are older are you closer to any of your your siblings at this point probably um not real close um the um my parents have died so okay. my mm -hmm. siblings, I have two brothers and one sister. And as long as we stay on the surface, we're okay. Uh, so we don't talk about my book that okay. I wrote. That's a no-no. My oh. sister, I don't know if she read it, but she read enough to know that, because I spoke my truth, that <laughs> I bashed the family and how dare I and, and all that. So, and she told my brothers not to read it. So we don't oh. talk about the book, uh, then we're probably okay. But it's still, it's a superficial connection with all of them. My sister and I are probably more close than any of them, but you know, it's still, you know, you have to kind of know what to talk about, what not to talk about. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and I, I wonder if any of your your brothers, as as grown men, have now read the book. But I, I no, guess I, no, I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't know. think. No, I, they I, they won't. Oh, uh, all right, yeah, all right. Yeah. Don't want to well, go there, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, why don't we talk about your your book then? Um, because this is something that really um, really stands out to me is that right right there on the front cover that you have a a very wonderful quote um, from President Jimmy Carter. So tell us about the book and then we can talk about President Carter too. Yeah. Uh, well, the book is a story of my life, overcoming obstacles and getting uh -huh. from all this stuff in my life to the other side. And how did I get there in the transformation? And so you have to go through all the, the, oogie stuff to get to the end. People go, oh, you were such a victim. I say, well, yeah, most of my life was a kind of victim, but you know, it has a good ending. <laughs> right. So, so get there and, and it's, it's totally worth the read. I would think to get like, how did she get to become Miss America? How did she get to come building her Habitat for Humanity house or be, you know, singing the two operas, but that came earlier in my life, but mm -hmm. uh, writing the book and Oh, I also went to Australia last year. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah, and climbed yeah. the Sydney Harbour Bridge. So, how awesome. did I? What was the mindset that got me to be to doing that uh, and overcoming that? So it's you know, it took the whole book for me to speak my whole life. You know, so. Okay, well, and then you know what we're talking about here. A theme is everyone falls into victimhood. Like you said, it's quite natural for us as human beings to put everything outside of ourselves and feel like we're uh, the victim of right. a mad, crazy, ravenous world. Now, you've talked about moving through that. So what do, what are some of the top suggestions you would have for somebody who really clearly needs and wants to get out of victimhood? Yeah, uh, to get, well, it's so you have a victim and then you have, and the opposite of victim is creator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So people th always think it's some of the adjective, but it's, it's not, it's creator. So a victim is somebody that's closed. So you'd want to be open. A victim is somebody who blames other people for everything. Uh, and so the opposite of that, to be a creator of your destiny you have to take responsibility for everything. Mm -hmm. I'm making myself depressed. I'm making myself uh, unlovable. I'm making myself not be responsible. That that's a uh, victim does not take responsibility because right. you know. So you'd want to a be responsible for yourself. Uh, I think a victim also is very well closed. Is very. Um, you're negative. You're, you're, uh, yeah. yeah. So my three thing keys in life are actually I've added a fourth one is uh, to have a, a you know a good alignment with your source. I mean that's one of the things that makes me know that I'm uh, doing what I'm supposed to be doing here on the planet. So if you're unhappy all the time. I mean, it's one thing to have a challenge and to say, but this is my passion. I'm going to go do that. And I know there's little bumps, and I'm, but I'm still committed to my passion. Mm -hmm. Then that's that's one thing. But if you're just chronically unhappy, then you know you're not in alignment and you need to say, what don't I want? What do I want? And then and then go after that one. But to be in alignment with your source, to have a positive attitude and one of usually gratitude and then, because if you're being grateful for everything, you can't be in lack of anything. So um, being uh, attitude of gratitude. And then to take action is, because if you're being a victim, you usually don't. You just like depressed and hang out and, and uh, stagnant. And then mm -hmm. I also say authenticity. That's my fourth A. Because okay. if you're being authentic to yourself and to others, then that's that's a pretty good thing to follow as well. I love it. Yeah. And the addition of the authenticity piece is, seems to be really, really important. That's an important component. So what does authenticity mean to you? Being truthful to myself and to others. Okay. Yeah. At all times, no matter the cost. Mm -hmm. All right. To be real, you know, with your mind, with your feelings and emotions, I think the more we're willing to be vulnerable to ourselves and with you, the, this is how we're going to connect and heal ourselves and the planet and our society and everything else. Mm -hmm. It's by hiding, by pretending we're something we're not. That's that's the facade. That's not going to get any of us anywhere. 
Yeah, yeah, and this is uh, it's very true, and of course, it's along with playing a victim, kind of a natural human tendency to yeah. want to hide. Yeah, now, absolutely. Yeah. Now, yes. Now, these four keys to life are are these the topics of your of your speeches um, and of your speaking engagements then? Uh, I have one that's just a basic soaring into greatness that mm -hmm. I, I'll just tell my story basically at the, at the oh, moment. Gotcha. Yeah, gone, going on through. And I probably will mention those in that. And then I can do a whole nother one on those four A's. You know? mm -hmm. uh, and then I do, I can do another one on CNI dogs. And I think I call it lessons learned from man's best friend, okay. which is trust, love, and I think it's commitment, but I don't know if it's commitment, TLC, but might be trust, love, commitment. And then those are my three main ones. I think I might have a fourth one, but still some combination of their, all the other things in there. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, and then we talked a few minutes ago here about President Jimmy Carter. So yeah, you've got right front and center on your book cover, a, a very wonderful direct quote from Jimmy Carter. How did you get that? I wrote him an email and said, hey, would you write me a testimony? <laughs> I love it. I love it. And he wrote me a two-page letter back or four-page, whatever it is on my wall here, that said, by yes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So yeah, if you don't ask, you don't get. Right. So yeah. The worst thing you can say is no. You know? And <laughs> I figured since he, I, uh, it, that he was one that made Habitat for Humanity Houses famous because it was actually yes. begun two years before him. Oh, look at that. Fuller's, I think, uh, who started it. Look at that. I remember that. Ooh. Um, it's in a book on page whatever. Because uh, <laughs> I remembered it at the time. But, gotcha. he, um, but he's the one that made it famous. So I figured since he did that, and he was big with Habitat for Humanity, and he's big with something else that I was... Uh, but I, I knew, and since I built a Habitat house, I just said, why not? Why not have him endorse that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And I love what you said is, well, you, you asked. <laughs> yeah. 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 If it's in your head, like you always, that's why I told people think, you know, like, should I ask you about being blind or how to do this? Or do you need help across the street or whatever? And I go, well, if it's in your head, put it out there. And you'll never know my answer until you ask. For example, I may not need help crossing the street when it's a busy, when it's a nice sunny day, but sure as fire, I'm going to need help crossing the street probably with a dog or with a cane if it's raining because the water on the streets distorts the sound and I can't tell where those cars are coming from. It's okay. Like, Left, right, front. Did you just move an inch or did you just move three feet? I don't know. Are you killing me now or later? I don't, you know. So if it's, <laughs> if it's in your head, ask me. I'll tell you. Uh -huh. You know, if I need help or don't need help or whatever it is. So, if, and that's true about anything. You know, if it's in your head, ask. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I love that because we've um, we've talked about then with the distortion 
of the sound in, in the rainfall. We've talked about another thing that people with sight would not usually even think about as being right. a, a critical component oh, of yeah. your world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I remember one time it took me four traffic cycles to cross the street. I even had a dog. And I just stood there four, through four lights going, can I cross? Can I not? Can I cross? I couldn't tell the parallel traffic from the perpendicular traffic. Okay. I, I couldn't tell when to go. And, and if they moved an inch because it made sound with that water, I, I couldn't tell if they were coming through the, the light or I just couldn't tell anything. And I was almost ready to go back into a store and say, can you help me? When I actually figured it out, I went, oh God, I figured it out. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All right. It took me four lights to figure that out. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that, uh, well, a lot of people can, can feel that stress. I mean, I can feel that stress of four light cycles and you don't want to be wrong. <laughs> no, no. And I have been wrong with my last, well, not my last dog, my second, but my last dog. Uh, I crossed a busy street here in Denver and I thought I was going with my parallel traffic because people think, oh, the dog sees <laughs> the dog sees the color of the lights. No, the dog doesn't see the color of the lights. So I tell the dog makes sure what I say is right, but the dog doesn't see the colors. So I I go with the parallel traffic when it ramps up. That's when I know to go. So don't don't do anything crazy, people, because we're listening for the parallel traffic. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. So I, I thought the parallel went and I got out in the middle of the street and this guy yells at me, you're in the middle of the street. The light's still green. I went, oh, my God, it's green. He goes, yeah, it's green. He goes, turn around. I go, I can't. Once the harness, the, I, the harness is in my hand, I can't. I have to trust the dark. I can't undo that. It, it's it's totally forbidden and uh, you have to trust the dog and so i said you can come get me and i can you can heal me across so he did he came and grabbed my arm and we went across <laughs> okay wow yeah oh. yeah i was like i said it really was great he goes yeah i said really it was great i said oh my god i wonder how i missed that you know so mm -hmm. yeah yeah well this is the little things that people wouldn't wouldn't think about and i love the message that if it's in your head just ask yeah because somebody might say yes president carter might say yes yeah well, when i built my house here's i mean here's you can read in the book about my transformation the book i read that totally transformed my life and mm -hmm. how i became from that victim to the creator but when i was building the house i they said that 600 applicants applied every year in denver but only 30 people got the houses. And before that, I would have said, well, I might as well not apply because why? I, 30 out of 600, it's not gonna be me. And that time when I, uh, in my life, when they told me that I went, well, 30 people are gonna get it. Why not me? And I kept saying that for my mantra the whole six months until I got approved, why not me? And I even went so far as to visualize the house. I even went so far as to pretend I was throwing a ball for the dog out in the backyard and catching it and going, woohoo, yes, let's do it again. And I acted it out for 15 minutes a day, throwing the ball, yay. I, so I totally took it to another level. And then I, and I pretended I was washing dishes and I pretended I was playing music out on my front porch. And finally they called and said, I got it. So. It's I oh and I even went and knocked on somebody's door 
who didn't speak English. And I said, they, they owned a Habitat house. And I said, can I see your house? And of course, the only way a blind person's going to see is to feel. Yeah. So I'm feeling all the walls and the <laughs> counters and everything. And, pretty, and I go, and I said out loud, I can live in this. And so I think it was right then is when I got it. Okay. Oh, you know, cool. spiritually speaking, you know, yeah, it was yeah. great. I love it. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, I mean that is one way that that you see with 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 sound and feeling, and you know, I, I just keep coming back to the image for me that's very strong of your siblings, and they're not wa even wanting to to read your book because they don't see intuitively and emotionally. That's a very right. very right. important component of sight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scenes down at the heart are. Mm -hmm. I have a philosophy that I created for when I won the Miss Colorado Senior America pageant and then when I went to nationals and I won fourth place there and the philosophy says I believe my desire to fly must be bigger than my fear of falling that mm -hmm. vision is internal not external yes it's guided by my heart not my eyes and in order to be free to fly, you must want your dream, feel your dream, and believe that your dream will come true. Most importantly, you must live your dream. You're the creator of your destiny, the composer of your symphony, and you must choose to live a life of greatness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love it. vision is, you know, internal, not external. Yes, it really is. And also there's a choice component. Absolutely. As well. yeah. Absolutely. And you can choose to be blind or choose to be sighted or somewhere in between partially mm -hmm. sighted or partially right. blind. Yeah. It's, and you have choice no matter what it is the mm -hmm. in your life. You're never a victim. I always have a friend and she always says to me, because I'll, I'll forget sometimes I have choice. And she goes, you always have choice. You're, you always have choice. You're never trapped. You always have choice. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I always have choice. Yes. Yeah, I love this. this is very, very powerful. And these are very powerful messages and quite a story. And we've talked about several components of that. Now, you are a speaker, uh, both at live events and virtual events, especially these days, um, virtual events. So, Gail, how can people get a hold of you if they'd like more information about uh, your programs, your book, your, your platform? You can probably the easiest way. My my email is always simple, but okay. it's um, my website is soaringintogreatness.com. That's the name of my book as well, Soaring Into Greatness. So you have to figure out. I don't like flying because it's you know soaring is way more fun. It's just <laughs> yes into greatness because I want you to you know people live their greatness too. So uh, soaring into greatness. But if you wanted to email me, it'd be just Gail is G A I L at soaringintogreatness.com. Okay. So, whatever you remember, people. Wonderful. <laughs> well, we'll repeat it. The email, Gail, G-A-I-L, at soaringintogreatness.com, which is also the website, soaringintogreatness.com all one word dot com. Yeah. And it's yeah. the name of the book. And I love soaring as yeah. opposed to flying too. Yeah. That's right. That's wonderful. Well, Gail, I've learned a great deal about you and I've learned a great deal about 
site, what, what site really is and what it really truly involves and means. And I know that our listeners have learned a great deal as well. So before we wrap up, what else would you like to share with people listening today? Wow, I would like to share, you know, all things are possible, mm -hmm. that you're not alone, that you know, if you don't have anybody else to reach out, hey, reach out to me. I'll, I'll, I'll consult with you. Uh, I have a little master's in psychology. I could do that. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a therapist. I can't wear that hat per se anymore, but I'd be glad to coach, you know, but all things are possible. You're not alone. Uh, you're not a victim. You certainly are the creator. You have choice. You have the power. Uh, trust yourself. Follow your heart and live your dreams. Don't don't be afraid. The worst that's going to happen. I mean, there's, you know, the worst. What is it they say? If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you always got. Hmm. So, so just reach out. You have nothing to lose by trying, expanding, growing, reaching out. You know, and one of my other sayings is um, the the deeper. Oh, now I'm going to figure my own saying. Uh, you can make it up. No. I know. I know. <laughs> I won't know. <laughs> the, the deep, oh, the deeper you swim, the higher you fly. So the deeper you delve into yourself, the deeper you go into your own feelings, the deeper, the more you express yourself with others, the higher you're going to soar in your life and be authentic and, and be free. You, Everybody's, you know, we, we all put all these ego limits on ourselves and we're, we're, we are limitless, limitless beings. Oh, yeah. And you know, we, we just live in these spacesuit type bodies that, that ground us, but we're really, <laughs> we're really just free. There's nothing that's, that's impossible. So the deeper you delve into you, the more you allow yourself to know you, and the more you allow yourself to connect and be honest and commit with others, then the more your dreams are going to come true. Mm -hmm. And I, and I guess imagination is another key component yes feel free to dream and go for it and if you need help like i said i guess i'm willing to be here for you all right yes and it's soaringintogreatness.com and your email gail g-a-i-l at soaringintogreatness.com if listeners would like to reach out to gail and just a, a reminder again that seeing is internal and it is done with the heart. So Gail, thank you so much for sharing your experience and all of your, your wisdom and insight with us today. This has been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Totally a pleasure on my end as well. This is so much fun. And guys, this has been Gail Hamilton here on Decide to Transform. So thank you all for tuning in and we will be back here next time. Everyone have a great day.